welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. Well, January 1st, there couldn't be a more appropriate place to begin than Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. We'll return to our series through Acts. And uh, today will be partially a lesson on, well, it'll be mostly all a lesson on ecclesiology, uh, just meaning how the church functions. When I was trying to decide uh, which book to, to go through, uh, when I was choosing for Acts, between that and others, one of the things that uh, reviews of it and observation of it said is, you know, it's just a lot of ecclesiology in Acts. And uh, so that was part of the reason as well. I just love the church and how it should function properly. And uh, that's, that's a big part of today's message. And, uh, and uh, wow, what a blessing Acts has been already. We'll just look forward more and more towards the future and the evangelism that we see. Um, Notice before I read verse 42, the described response uh, immediately follows 3,000, roughly 3,000 people who identified with Jesus Christ. They did that through water baptism, and as a result... They now identify with one another. These 3,000 are identifiable members of the body, the body there in Jerusalem at Pentecost, uh, to whom more identifiable members, we'll see in verse 47 eventually, they were added day by day. How did they identify with one another? Well, we, we don't expect that they, they all sported a common church tattoo. You know, we're, we're all from Port St. Lucie Bible Church. Probably, probably not that. Uh, maybe they all ordered the same letterman's jackets. Did anybody have those back in school? Leather sleeves, and you had the patch here, and, you know, pins that go on. We got a big B there for Bible, and uh, stick on it. We could have a deacon pin. I'm deacon. Yeah. I'm in I'm I'm the horn section, I have a horn there. Yeah. They, they probably didn't do that either. Um, but we do know these men and women, they recognized one another as those who had been defined as having received the word that Peter had preached. The, the logos is the Greek there, uh, the word in verse 41. And there also exists a, a definite article in the Greek, the word. When it comes to the sermon Peter had just finished, quite literally, verse 41 says, they received his, the word. That Greek term, logos, uh, it's commonly used in Scripture to denote the word of God. Uh, that is the message that is preached the content of divine communication to man. And in this passage, this passage, it specifically applies to the things that Jesus' 12 apostles were teaching. 
Things, things the twelve had taught. So the word from, from Peter, verse 41, uh, becomes immediately recognized and received by Christians as authoritative due to its apostolic origin. This is one reason the King James tradition uh, translates verse 42 as, uh, quote, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The apostles' doctrine, their, their teaching, it's going to end up getting them all persecuted, folks. Ultimately, ultimately, 11 of these 12 are going to be martyred. They're going to die for what they teach. The specific reference uh, to their doctrine or, or their teaching, it indicates that the authority rests not in the persons, but in their words, things they taught. Uh, Peter will highlight the source of apostolic doctrine when he writes a few years later in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, saying, quote, we, we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Eyewitnesses of Christ's majesty. Peter writes this. Notice, he writes it. Um, Consequently, therefore, as Peter writes, apostolic authority is inextricably manifest in a written format. We know them as gospels and epistles. Epistles are are letters, written letters, formal letters. And as Peter says, you know, what we have made known to you, uh, it's vested not solely in the fact that Jesus had chosen these 12, uh, but that their message is also validated by eyewitness testimony. In 2 Peter, Peter writes, well, essentially, we were live spectators present at Jesus' transfiguration. We were there on the holy mountain. We, we saw it. Eyewitnesses. Additionally, in 1 John chapter 1, the apostle John announces, again in written format, that which we have both seen, heard, and touched, we declare to you. Again, the Apostle John writes it down. Uh, Apostolic doctrine is not preserved and passed down by word of mouth. What they saw was written down. Similarly, in our passage in Acts chapter 2, the word, or the logos, the words of the apostles, uh, it's further established upon their first-hand eyewitness testimony of Jesus' resurrection. So, so it is simple and elementary. Uh, you don't have to be a brilliant person uh, to deduce that, that nobody on earth today exercises this same authority as do those who saw Jesus Christ, eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, his resurrection, his, his transfiguration. And the authority of the apostles is written down. It's written down. 
And in 2 Peter 1 and verse 19, Peter continues writing, So we have the prophetic word, again Logos, we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you, you do well to pay attention to, as a lamp shining in a dark place. The whole word. Not just what Peter says here at Pentecost. It's what he writes down in his, uh, in his epistles, his letters. It's what Paul writes down in his letters. You don't get to cherry pick this stuff, folks. It's all the Word. You don't get to you know, observe some. I really like what that says and, and then disregard others. Oh, I don't, don't, don't mention any of what that says. Um, the reason why this is so important today is it's going to be obvious in a moment, but in case there, there remains any lingering doubt, a few verses later, 1 Peter uh, 2 and verse, uh, 1 and verse 24 Peter clarifies even further, just one last reference here to begin. We read it earlier. Peter assures that his human, him, him, his human existence, his, his flesh, it's a state of transience. It's passing away. All of us are. He includes himself when he says, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And Peter says, and this is the word which was preached to you. The word of the Lord. These apostles' words, authoritative words, written words, the living word, it endures forever, folks. Praise God. It's a holy word of God. Um, though we may at times you will question our adequacy in understanding, in, in fully understanding uh, the word. There are some things in it Peter said once that they're hard to under, a little harder to understand. But from the beginning of the church at Pentecost, true Christians have without question embraced the authority and the clarity of the holy and unadulterated written word of God. Folks, we, we submit the destiny of our souls to the word. For some reason, God's grace only knows um, he has delegated to man, to faithful man uh, and women to preach the gospel. But for some reason, God has delegated a work to us that spans heaven and hell. The Word of God spans heaven and hell, and the destiny of the soul hinges upon the Word. He gave us that. Do this work for me. Tell others. Show them love. Invite them into the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Folks, it's, uh, it's one of the reasons we describe ourselves as a, as a Bible church. We're a Christian Bible church. Uh, your, your elders, I'll be honest, we take this very seriously. Very seriously. Um, the early church took Peter's words seriously as we look together at Acts chapter 2, uh, two and verse 42. We'll, we'll advance just one verse today. There we read, again it's written, that they, the, these early Christians, they were continually devoting themselves 
to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, that is one another, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were continually devoting, they were steadfastly devoted to the apostles' doctrine. Uh, and, and since that day, Christianity has employed uh, this pretty simple and, and straightforward formula, apostolic teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Uh, consequently, when the unregenerated heart, the unbeliever, falls away, read about that in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, or whenever a Christian experiences a, a catastrophic moral meltdown, you know, a system failure, uh, it can always be traced back to rejecting at least one of these principles in Acts 2 verse 42. The recipe is so simple, uh, but all, the presence of all the ingredients remain absolutely crucial. My old pastor, uh, Tom Nelson, at Denton Bible Church in Denton, Texas, he always used to, to tell us younger guys, he'd say, healthy churches do the simple things well. Healthy churches do the simple things well. Doesn't, doesn't require smoke and mirrors to achieve what God has called us to do. Meanwhile, apostasy or a falling away, it always begins at the top of the list by abandoning the apostles' teaching. Our Lord's brother Jude, uh, he warned, he says, I write, when he starts off again, I write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all handed down to the saints. That's Jude 3. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, condemnation uh, ungodly persons. The ungodly persons that Jude describes, uh, they're later identified by him in verse 17 as those who disregard the word of God. And it's to their own peril. And there Jude appeals to his readers. On January 1st, 2023, um, but you, beloved, you ought to remember the words, past tense, that were spoken beforehand, past tense. Beloved, you ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So just as did Peter, Jude reveals that by his day, parameters of the Christian faith, they had already been sufficiently defined as the words of the apostles that were once for all written down and true Christianity doesn't mutate over time, folks. Uh, it doesn't depart from the Word. It doesn't dismiss the Word, divorce itself from the Word. We never adapt the Word to appease the sinful flesh um, or to suggest that Christians are allowed to live licentiously. That is, reveals Jude, what false teachers do. Therefore, we are a Bible church that holds fast, Continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Acts 2.42, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We cling to their teaching. Uh, we don't cling to Peter. He's long gone. His body is gone. Um, 
we cling to Christ Jesus. In just a few minutes, we're going to see that we cling to one another. We cling to one another. Uh, we who receive the word must draw near to one another in unity. In unity. Um, the only scripturally prescribed the only scripturally prescribed way to amplify spiritual unity within a local church is to amplify the apostles' teaching. It's the only prescribed way. Teaching leads to unity. I often use the following quote from John MacArthur at some point during membership orientation. I hope that each one of these folks that became members heard it. If, if they didn't, uh, they do now. Uh, MacArthur says, quote, Sound doctrine produces pure hearts, which produces a loving people. Sound doctrine produces pure hearts that produces a loving people. In our text, uh, we see that the sound doctrine is a prerequisite and it paves the way to a loving and a devoted fellowship. Everybody together. Uh, folks, we have seen this at Port St. Lucie Bible Church in the last five to six years. The devotion, the love, uh, all glory be to God that we enjoy a, a genuine and unorchestrated affection through God's Spirit. Uh, a brief history lesson will, will keep us on track as we move forward. Members often ask, very often ask, uh, how is it that your members display such love? How we interact with one another. Uh, that will be important later too, how we interact with one another. Uh, you know, they'll say, we notice that, <laughs> this is the truth, we notice you have to turn the lights out after service to get them to leave. That is, that is a fact. And the joy is so genuine and, and unfabricated. Uh, friends, you don't find this spirit in many places. You, you really don't. What's the trick? What's the trick? Loving unity is a fruit of God's word, the logos, stirring God's Holy Spirit who dwells within you. The word stirring the spirit which dwells within you. That's, that's love. Um, and I want you to know your elders strive. They strive to nurture love through adherence to sound apostolic doctrine and teaching. We realize that true joy is not cultivated through strict adherence to the external rules, ceremonial rituals, legalism, uh, regulation. Many churches try that. But joy just doesn't flourish under a heavy thumb. Love isn't achieved through behavioral engineering. Uh, you can't artificially enforce joy. What you can do, what spiritual leadership can do and must do is enforce sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Let the chips fall. Teach sound doctrine. Anthony and Steve and I, um, we, we try to allow personalities to be who they are. We, we really do. Within the parameters of biblical behavior, uh, we, we want people to be who they are because that's where joy is found. Uh, we really need everyone to understand that the joy we share here is a direct result of sound teaching, not always eloquent teaching, sound teaching which produces pure hearts, which produces a loving people. Uh, quite a few of you weren't, 
you know, have come in, you know, in the last three to four years or so. If I had you raise your hands, you don't have to, but quite a few are new and uh, less than three years. I, I do feel compelled to begin 2023 with, with, with a, a little history lesson. People have been here uh, longer than I have. So you got Eric and Merrick Yurkus, good friends. Al Fernandez, I see back here. You, that's a good friend right there, Al Fernandez. Others as well. Um, people have been here yeah, a few years. Uh, they, they've been around. The, the Spirit has has changed. Uh, uh, when I arrived first, almost nine years ago now, it'll be nine years this summer, uh, it, it wasn't a happy place. Um, my character was disparaged uh, by people. Um, th- there were repeated attempts to oust me as pastor. Uh, it discouraged me. There were attempts to discourage me and just stepping away. Uh, there were claims, he's just too teachy. Um, by God's grace and, and through the encouragement of some very dear friends, God allowed me to survive and remain by His grace. Um, after about three years of, of, of teaching through Scripture verse by verse, the clouds began to lift and members, members who remained with us, they began to, to really smile, to really smile. Um, new people came in uh, the Spirit is lighthearted and joyful and devout. Uh, the face of the congregation has changed. Much, much joy has ensued. Uh, and what the elders need, uh, newer people to realize. We've discussed this with our elders. What, what the elders need, newer people to realize, is that the joy that we share today, it is, a, it is the fruit of sound doctrine that produces pure hearts and produces a loving people. Don't take what God has given us for granted. Um, don't, don't conclude this joy is just an inherent quality of church. And, and, and uh, you know, don't, here's one. Don't field any suggestion that, that, you know, things are great. Things are great. But if Pastor John would just soften up a bit, you're just going to soften up that doctrine, you know, not, not be so direct, um, yeah, things will get even better. It won't. The fellowship we now have is the fruit of, of sincere and unapologetic Bible teaching. Uh, is, I said, even as marginal as the eloquence is uh, often or at times. Um, your elders recognize the members come here for the logos. Almost without fail, another discussion we had this morning Anthony and Steve love these men. Uh, almost without fail, uh, when we interview people wanting to become new members, the reason they give, honestly, we have finally found a church that teaches the Word. Of course, of course they also love the people. They're glad we have a comfortable facility and, and improvements and things going on. Uh, nice to have buildings. If you don't realize that, this is a lesson I've learned recently too. Uh, talk to people who've been in a church for a long time without buildings. It's, it's, that's, that's hard. But people are glad we have buildings. The worship music is wonderful. I, I just compliment the worship team and the work that they've done over Christmas especially it's never cited, though, as the reason that people become members of the church. Never, it never comes up. The buildings are 
music or other things, um, the motive always rests on scriptural fidelity. For the elders, it, it, always, all, it's always the Bible. We heard that again this morning. We're here for the Bible, and there is nothing, nothing as humbling as this experience of looking through um, over past time um, through sobs of joy. As elders interviewing, looking through sobs of joy by an applicant who has searched far and wide to finally find a church that teaches the Bible. Just humble you. Just, just in awe of what God does through His Word. And uh, well, that, that, that humbling experience really solidifies our resolve as a church. We know why you are here, friends. We know uh, your elders will never set aside the Bible to appease the flesh of men. What we do is invite everyone to embrace as authoritative the apostolic teaching and continue to draw near. Continue to draw near. That's exactly what is seen in verse 42. The early church was not only continually devoted to the apostles' teaching, uh, the sentence structure and the conjunction, uh, Greek scholars tell us, implies they were equally devoted to the fellowship. I.e., they were continually devoted to the fellowship. Well, of course they were. They, they had to be. How, how else could you cultivate, cultivate harmony and understanding of the apostles' teaching? Unless everyone's there. Unless everyone's present together, how can you have harmony in teaching? You have to be present. It's a, it's a, it exposes a mighty misnomer of our day uh, that you can just download a sermon somewhere, pick it up online, hear it on the radio, and, and it just replaces. You know, it, you know, it's like going to church. No, no. Uh, that mistake concludes that all Christianity is about is good teaching. That's it. It's just teaching, eloquent teaching. Better the teaching, the better, uh, better the sermon, the, the better the relationship with Jesus. Yeah, I can hear a better sermon on the radio than I can, you know, at, at XYZ Church, other side of town. Why, why would I waste my time going to church? Why would I waste my Sunday morning? Yeah, no, no. That, that doesn't respect this passage that assures they were also continually devoted to the fellowship. Also, at least here at Pentecost, the fellowship doesn't describe, you know, a couple girls meeting at Starbucks for a cup of coffee. That's great. It doesn't describe a few Christian brothers, you know, knocking around uh, of golf out. Oh, Enjoy that. It's, you know, fellowship. Uh, no, rather, the fellowship in verse 42, if you've been around a while, it's the word koinonia. Greek term koinonia. That is, that is a word that implies a, a spiritual sharing among a common body. If you've attended a decent Bible college or seminary, you have probably either done a, a research project or a 28-page term paper on the koinonia or both. The, the word conveys a far greater commitment than Friday night pizza. 
That's fellowship in a different way. Koinonia includes giving of your life. Giving of your life. Uh, there isn't time to today remaining to cite a ton of scriptural references, uh, but 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16 is one. The Apostle Paul there writes, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? A koinonia. Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Koinonia. Folks, sacrifice is involved. It's modeled through remembrance of Jesus Christ. Paul continues there saying, since there is one bread, he who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, we share in the body of Christ. The Koinonia describes what is sometimes referred to as the communion of the saints. It's regardless of how often we distribute the Lord's Supper, uh, which is on the first Sunday of each month, we do that. Uh, it will be today. At this church, the fellowship, the Koinonia, it occurs every Sunday, every Sunday and beyond. Um, later, Paul will write that you are many members, but one body. And at least in, in this context, koinonia can have other shades of meaning, but at least in this context, koinonia implies a physical participation and a presence rather than just a spiritual presence. It's not just, yeah, I'm thinking about you. Maybe we'll see someone, uh, one another again someday. Um, my spirit's with you. No, this is a physical presence. Peter will write to the elders, these are the ones over whom you exercise oversight. That's local. Uh, they are allotted to your charge. The reverse is expressed in Hebrews 13. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. That's why we take it seriously. Let them do this, we read, with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Uh, the point isn't leadership that I'm trying to make. The point is among any local church, we identify with physical people. There are physical leaders, there are physical members uh, common in one physical location. We embrace one another as the koinonia. We share the bread. We share the cup. We share an embrace. We share a hug. We share eye contact. We share a smile. It goes without saying, and we do this well here, but it goes without saying that it takes a physical presence to have church. You can't achieve koinonia in video church. Of course, there exists a spiritual connection between all believers everywhere, but a physical connection is essential to the local church. We share our presence together. Even watching a conference online, 
pastor's conference, any kind of uh, conference, a business conference, it's nothing compared to being there. My old pastor, uh, again, Tom Nelson, uh, he was asked at Denton Bible, uh, would he consider satellite campuses because the church had grown, that local body had grown so big. And Tom, in a nutshell, I wasn't there, but I, I got a second hand. Tom, in a nutshell, replied, I cannot fulfill the biblical requirements of shepherding people that I cannot see and touch. Huh. Acts 2.42, it, it can't be fulfilled watching Alistair Begg on your computer. You're going to get a great sermon. Wonderful preacher. There must exist a mutual and physical accountability between every shepherd and his flock, every flock and its shepherds. And you learn a lot about someone in person. Yeah, a lot about someone. You know, what are their habits? What do they talk about when they're not right in front of you? How about, how about when you go to the restaurant? Are they polite to the waitress? Do, do they leave a tip? Do they always complain and send everything back? Uh, it's never cooked right. Uh, what kind of car do they drive? How do they dress? How do they embrace? Folks, it is possible to even hide sin when you are present for a season. This is one of the greatest things for a pastor. People start to know. You have pastors who fall, the congregations will say, yeah, we started to see it. We knew something. We knew something wasn't right. Um, it's possible to hide sin for a season even when you're present together, but you can hide all of your sin from one another on the internet. Sitting in a recliner and watching video, that's not koinonia. It will never constitute church. That, that is irreconcilable to our passage. True Christian fellowship it, it must offer you know, practical attempts at encouraging one another, loving one another, embracing one another, holding one another accountable. What was originally to be our scripture reading was Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. It says there, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How? Well, by not forsaking your own assembly together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Our assembling together, it insists the local corporate gathering is in view. Uh, Hebrews is written to Christians who were suffering persecution. And that same writer continues in just a few verses uh, saying, but remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers, Koinonias, with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Well, you become physical participants in tribulations and in sufferings. Even at that point, the author of Hebrews says, you still don't forsake the assembly. 
Even if it costs you all your possessions, even if it could land you in jail, the apostles would say, even if it costs you your life, even if you have season tickets to the Dolphins, don't forsake the assembly of the koinonia. Don't forget to share a hug. Gracious. I could, uh, I could take a moment. I almost went this direction, but I think it was going too far. Because you deal with these as a pastor. Um, don't, don't know of anything now. At this point, everything's just hunky-dory. It really is. Love you guys. It's, it's going great. Um, members here are wonderful. Uh, but I could take a moment to really beat up on people who, who habitually skip church to prioritize other things like season passes to Disney or, uh, you know, Sunday morning sports leagues for kids. Not today. Not today. Um, I would rather amplify. What, what I'd rather do, I want to amplify the koinonia that we share and just a few benefits of the fellowship here at Port St. Lucie Bible Church and then invite you to draw near. Number one, I don't know where you find people as wonderful as here. There, there are surely other good churches across the country. I've met lots of other nice Christians in other places, but no church that I have ever been to has been better. I previously amplified enough that, that we're loving here, so we'll move on from that one. Amazing. Secondly, amongst us there are diverse spheres of people uh, with whom you can find common interests one to another. Uh, we don't have a church fishing club per se, uh, but you can definitely find people here to fish with. If you like restaurants, there's, there's Joyful Seniors Fellowship that you can gather with others every other week, and there are always people going out to eat in various places. That, that'll kind of be our passage next week. People invite one another over to their homes for dinner, uh, Next Sunday, we're going to notice that the Christians were breaking bread from house to house, taking their meals together with joy and gladness. If you favor Italian, you need to get to know the Elgers. They had an Italian Christmas at their house. Is that right, Dar? They did it right. You want to get to know Tammy, Joe, and Steve? We ate their food. Oh. Um, if you exclusively eat seafood, said, I just love seafood, that's all I'm going to eat all the time, forget any prospect of ever getting to know Anthony and Cheryl Alberino. It'll never happen. <laughs> if you like sushi, there are people who have something in common with you. I hear we have a sushi brigade here. Uh, there are all kinds of people here. Rita and I love to go to church on Sundays. We really do. We are available um, especially on Sundays, uh, just be patient because we're normally the last to, to arrive. Somebody's got to turn out the lights over here. Um, golf, guns, surfing, gardening. Uh, as a solo pastor, I don't have time to, to manage a whole bunch of different formal groups, uh, but you can discover friends here who share it all. Come, let us draw near. Thirdly, the opportunities for eternal rewards in the service of Christ. 
They're significant. Meals are supplied to those who are sick. Maintenance and improvements to worship facilities. Support for missionaries abroad. Uh, and this, and stateside, OCC, Operation Christmas Child. Uh, I just got a report we have boxes going to Senegal. We've got boxes going to another place is uh, uh, unnamed. It, it's not revealed because it's a persecuted place, the way I understand it. Uh, those are going out. Uh, this congregation made, just made, the elders decided, a year-end distribution to widows of Christian martyrs overseas. Widows of Christian martyrs, those who gave their life for the faith. Um, there, there's much more. There's, much, just, there's just a, a few examples of partnering in a common body of Christ. Things that you share uh, together. How about as you age... This has really been, been on my mind a lot the last few months. How about as you age? Are you in a local koinonia uh, where you're cultivating close-knit relationships with others uh, as you grow old? Are, are you open to new people? Are, are you open to them drawing near to you? I know this is kind of sensitive here, isn't it? How near? They aren't going to knock on my door unannounced, are they? Are they going to know you well enough that when you well, age out, that those who are younger and, and more able are going to feel comfortable reaching out to you? Or do you rarely open up your life? Folks, this is perhaps one of the greater benefits of being part of a koinonia when you become trusting of one another and you can receive help when you are needed. Do you know that I might have used this before, but if you're new, do you know that when Carolyn Robertson is not home, I repeatedly enter her home and eat her candy jar? <laughs> That's a fact. I'm not making that up. She lives a little ways away. I drive all that way to drop in on her, and I do it on purpose, drop in without calling. Um, I drive that far. I'm going to eat her candy. There is transparency, there is trust that is earned in the body of Christ that you can't get in the world. It takes time. It doesn't grow overnight. Trust doesn't grow overnight. Uh, it's nurtured slowly over meatloaf. It, it really is. And uh, boy, folks, I want the same for you. I want the same for you but I can't eat everybody's candy. I'm only one mortal man. Right. Older people and younger people need to embrace further. Um, let, let this body draw near to one another. Find that group that really shares uh, an interest that's particular, and this whole body will love you. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. It, it, it takes a little time. Always you have to be a little careful with people, um, but it means sticking in here for the long haul. You can't experience the koinonia hopping church to church. You can't do it. Your relationships will just persistently be superficial. 
You'll never reach that fellowship. Um, you'll never find the perfect church. I know people look for years and years and years. At some, at some point, you have to stop visiting. That's what our new members have done who have been introduced to you today. There's a fellowship potluck on the 15th. You know, why not stop, around, uh, stop by afterwards and uh, nurture a relationship with people? More than one friend, uh, even many friends, to share with one another. Uh, friends who are going to visit you when you were in the hospital. They're going to send you a, car, uh, a card when you're sick. Uh, they're going to pick you up and bring you to church when you can no longer drive. And they'll do it because you've grown so close. Younger people, remember you're going to grow old someday too. Be available. Embrace the fellowship as you are able. Um, who's going to bury you? Who's going to attend your funeral? Who, who's going to encourage your close family members at a funeral? It's available at our church if you draw near. Let me ask this on January 1st, 2023. Try to be polite. How about you all become members of Port St. Lucie Bible Church? To make that reality more accessible, the elders have decided to waive all fees for application <laughs> in 2023. Yeah. Straight down from the chairman on that one. Yeah, membership. Membership. Uh, some people say, you know, I'm American. I'm independent. I believe in freedom. I don't become a member of nothing. Then they drive away. They've, their back window is plastered with NRA stickers, right? They're members. Uh, I'm a member of LA Fitness. I'm a member of AAA. I am. They got great benefits. But nothing like the benefits of being a member of a local church, a body of Christ, uh, especially this one. We welcomed a number of new visitors today, uh, members today, excuse me, and, and uh, some have been to orientation, probably uh, others are, it's in the works. Uh, we'll have another orientation in the spring uh, to help you to get to know who we are. And uh, uh, there may be one or two people here who have been here a long time. They, they know who we are. They love us. Uh, they're they're limited maybe from getting to orientation. Maybe just say, I, I can't get there. Uh, come see me. Come see me. Uh, maybe, maybe there's a disqualifying sin preventing you from membership. Maybe you don't want anybody to know. Or you don't want to draw near. Well, these elders would love to meet with you in an attempt to help and extract that from your life. Come see us. Uh, if you have a doctrinal misunderstanding, we can help with that too. If you think we have a doctrinal misunderstanding, we'd love to hear about that too. We've proven more than willing to adjust ourselves when we find an argument is compelling, compelling from the Word of God. Uh, come and see us. But the elders, 
We are those who are held responsible by God with the, with the privilege of preserving sound apostolic doctrine in the fellowship, and, and we will do so unwavering. Membership is a simple process. Verifies we all agree to the same basic Christian beliefs. We have a statement of faith. It, it, it helps the elders. We're, again, we were talking about this this morning. It helps the elders to know who is with us and who isn't with us. Who agrees to the statement of faith? So it is kind of important. Oh no, we can't we can't say we believe what you believe about Jesus Christ. Hmm. That's a problem. But we're open to talking to everyone. I'm going to ask the elders to come forward uh, at this time, and they're going to hand out membership applications. No, I mean they're going to serve the Lord's <laughs> Supper. And uh, Anthony and Steve invite you to draw near. They're going to share the bread and the cup with you. Draw near. Uh, many, many experts believe that the breaking of the bread and the prayers that are in verse 42, they're grammatically nested under the koinonia, meaning they're probably not recognized as separate elements of the fellowship, but rather included elements. We'll revisit those topics uh, as we move ahead. But from day one, the church has regularly observed the Lord's Supper to never forget that Christ suffered bodily and he died for our sins. As we distribute, I've, I've included a reading of the Apostles' Creed, speaking of apostolic doctrine. It's a very brief summary of the Christian faith. Uh, creed, the Creed is never cited by early church fathers, uh, Irenaeus, Clement, uh, Polycarp and others, as they wrote to one another. It's never cited by them, uh, so it's almost surely not written by any of the apostles, uh, but it appears in the late century, uh, probably written by someone in the early church, wanting to summarize uh, certain beliefs of the apostles' teaching. Uh, so it's a pretty decent creed. If you believe the Bible, if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that He rose again, and that He is coming uh, again, uh, we invite you to share the faith which we have in common. Church, as we come forward to remember the Lord, we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will return the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Behold the Lamb who bears our sins away, slain for us. And we remember the promise made that all who come in faith find forgiveness at the cross. So we share in this bread of life.
he was betrayed the Lord Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me in 1st John 4 7 therefore brethren since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh and since we have a great high priest over the house of God 
Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews chapter 10.